Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, great to be with you here early on this Tuesday morning on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Iowa voters caucused last night and nearly 1,700 precincts across the state in bone-chilling temperatures to select their pick for the Republican presidential nominee in 2024. What does former President Donald Trump's decisive win mean for the presidential campaign going forward with New Hampshire and that primary just one week away? We're going to talk about it with Brian Burst, the president and founder of Catholic Vote, coming up a little later. Later this hour at 6.38 Central. also want to remind you here at the beginning that the March for Life in Washington, D.C. is this Friday. And again, this year, Relevant Radio is inviting you to Fast for Life in solidarity with the marchers. Take an active part in the march from your home or your office by praying and fasting for the protection of the unborn. Suzanne from Vista, California says, I will fast from chocolate and cussing when I get mad, and that's a hard one for me. And another participant from Wisconsin said uh, he will be uh, giving up a heated seat uh, in his car. So you, too, can uh, tell us how you'll be uh, participating on Friday at relevantradio.com slash fast. That's relevantradio.com slash fast. And uh, be sure uh, to share a hashtag fast for life on social media. Oh, man, that sounds tough, John. Uh, no heat in the seat? Not not in this weather. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what I would do. That It takes a long time when my when I'm driving my husband's car in to not have that on. I need to bring, like, a, a blanket or something. That is tough. So there, yeah, that's an interesting way to do fasting. You don't think about it that way. You just think about, uh, you know, having to do with food. But there's a lot of different ways we can offer up sacrifices throughout our day. Maybe I, I won't put hot sauce on everything one day. I don't know. I like hot sauce. I always have a hot sauce in my office. I don't know if you ever noticed that, John. Uh, nothing like a nice <laughs> warm seat, especially when you have 40 below uh, wind chill uh, factors. Although in California, I don't think that Suzanne will have to deal with that. Uh, but any kind of little sacrifice is is the, is the way uh, to go. Uh, I want to bring in Glenn. Uh, obviously, do, do we have Glenn? Oh, Glenn is just connecting now. He was having an issue, but I think we got him. Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Yes, we are back. We are back. I want to blame it on the cold, I think. My goodness, it's been cold across the country here. But uh, that didn't stop a lot of folks in Iowa from coming out. And uh, big turnout, not as big as usual, but a uh, big turnout for President Trump last night, John. Yeah, it, uh, a big victory for President Trump, uh, as was anticipated. Um, were, were you surprised by the margin of victory? Uh, I believe it was historic, his margin of victory. Yeah, about 30 points. Uh, that was uh, kind of what was expected and very close to uh, the well-respected Iowa poll, which came out Saturday night by the uh, Des Moines Register, the, the big newspaper for the state of Iowa there, along with NBC News. And uh, that had it, I think, uh, about 48 to 20. And so very close there. It was uh, uh, 
40, 51 to uh, to 21 for Ron DeSantis and uh, 19 for Nikki Haley. The former president won 98 of the 99 Iowa counties. Nikki Haley uh, narrowly took uh, one county, Johnson County, the home of Iowa City, where uh, the University of Iowa is located. Uh, both the second and third place finishers, a very close race there, but uh, both feel uh, emboldened to, to carry on next week. It'll be a week from today, the first primary in the nation coming up uh, in New Hampshire. I understand that uh, Ron DeSantis uh, was not uh, too thrilled with the fact that the Associated Press actually called the race in, in favor of President Trump uh, really early, just a little after 7.30 Central. I heard an explanation on NBC News last night. Uh, caucuses started at uh, 7 o'clock, uh, all at the same time, all around uh, the uh, the state. And uh, it would involve some discussion, some arguments and presentation. And then voting was set to start about 7.20 and so the technical explanation was, well, you know, people already started voting by 720. So if we call it by 730. Uh, but, yeah, the DeSantis folks were not happy about that. Well, um, President Trump obviously uh, spoke uh, in the post game uh, in Des Moines last night, uh, saying that uh, the time is now for the country to come together. We, we have some of uh, his comments and, and the other candidates as well. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world. People want to have hope for this country's future. And that's what we represent. We represent a chance to reverse the madness that we've seen in this country. At one point... In this campaign, there were 14 of us running. But tonight, I can safely say Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. And that, of course, uh, was uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, your thoughts on going forward? Uh, you, you know, we, we uh, have a, a big uh, uh, primary coming up a week from today uh, in New Hampshire. Yep, New Hampshire uh, set up a little different. Uh, it's uh, you know a primary election. Also, they allow folks that aren't necessarily members of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party to vote in uh, the other party's uh, uh, situation as well. And so you could have some crossover there, as you normally do. I guess about 40% of the people that vote uh, aren't necessarily part of any given party's uh, representation there. So that can mix things up a little bit. In the polling there, uh, it's much closer between first and second with uh, Nikki Haley in second uh, in many polls. Uh, the uh, conventional wisdom says that it sounded like Ron DeSantis put, you know, a lot, a lot of effort into Iowa with this ground game, uh, hitting all 99 counties, going door to door, a lot of folks out there. And uh, where Nikki Haley is concentrated a little bit more in New Hampshire than she did uh, on the ground in Iowa. And so you might see a flip-flop of those two, but there's a, a whole week to go. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who finished fourth, uh, he was the, the gentleman kind of new to national politics and uh, apparently quite new to uh, debate etiquette and, and, and didn't use much of it uh, in some of those Republican debates. He did drop out and immediately uh, endorsed uh, former President Trump. He's actually uh, speaking on Trump's behalf today uh, in New Hampshire, uh, switching gears very fast. But uh, And then uh, kind of a, a race to, to Super Tuesday uh, to see who can hang in there. That's coming up on the 5th of March when many, many states uh, will be having their primaries. Uh, so we should... Uh, have this narrowed down probably within a couple months here, but uh, it's uh, 
really three main players at this point now, John. Glenn, uh, back to last night, the AP reported uh, that uh, this was the lowest turnout uh, in a quarter of a century, and also the margin of victory uh, eclipsed. Uh, it's now a, a record by uh, President Trump. Uh, the uh, the former uh, record was uh, a 13 percentage point win by Bob Dole back in 1988. So he absolutely uh, smashed uh, those numbers. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge victory uh, in terms of that. And then, you know, when it comes to counting up delegates, which uh, ultimately matters and these uh, pile up over time, but uh, by garnering uh, 51% of the the vote at the caucuses last night, uh, Mr. Trump walks away with 20 delegates. Uh, In second place, Ron DeSantis picked up eight and Nikki Haley seven. And they'll uh, gradually add to those as the weeks and the caucuses and the primaries roll by. Well, kudos to all uh, the folks who brave the elements, uh, the bone-chilling cold weather in Iowa uh, to uh, actually uh, vote in these caucuses, uh, because obviously uh, the weather is not just affecting Iowa, but uh, nearly a third of our country, Glenn. Yeah, and so much of uh, of politics and election success is who turns out to vote. That's why it's so important, uh, you know, the more fired up that uh, the electorate is about a particular candidate, the more likely they're going to overcome some obstacles to, to get out there and vote. And uh, one of the stats showed that, uh, you know, well before the caucuses, you know, 70 percent of those who planned on on voting for Mr. Trump had had their mind made up for months. They were uh, they were fired up. And uh, so a uh, big win for the former president to get things going. And, and again, kind of what he was taking away from that looked like, uh, you know, bring on the general election. You know, almost uh, not even hardly acknowledging the, the primary competition, which is, again, a, a ways behind with a 30-point a victory for the former president. And as I mentioned uh, a little bit later uh, this hour, uh, Brian Birch, the president and founder of Catholic Vote, will be with us to further break it all down and uh, give us his perspective on the Iowa caucuses and uh, the upcoming presidential primaries. Uh, so uh, uh, Brian Birch will be with us at about uh, 6.38 uh, Central Time. Uh, meanwhile, Glenn, uh, did you get to uh, check out any of the NFL playoffs uh, yesterday? I certainly did. That remote was getting a workout between uh, election coverage and, and football. And, uh, yeah, a couple of interesting contests there, John. Absolutely. The Buffalo Bills uh, showed uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers exactly how far uh, they are from truly being a championship uh, team as uh, they beat uh, Pittsburgh 31-17 in an AFC wildcard game uh, yesterday. Bills quarterback uh, Josh Allen completing uh, 21 of 30 passes for 203 yards and three touchdowns and an incredible 52-yard TD run for a score as heard on the Bills radio network. Here's the snap. Blitz coming. Allen steps up in the pocket. Going to take off and run. Has the first down and more. To the 40. To the 35. 30. Breaks away. 20. 10. 5. Touchdown, Josh Allen. Yeah, give him a flex, Josh. Takes the snap. Back to pass. Fires over the middle. Complete on a crossing route to Shakir, who gets away from the tackler. Down to the 10, looking for the end zone, and he's in! Khalil Shakir did a disappearing act on the tackler, reversed his field, and found the end zone! Unbelievable! 
Lots of enthusiasm for the Buffalo Bills who will take on the Kansas City Chiefs coming up uh, this Sunday uh, as they move on to the next round. Uh, Meanwhile, in the NFC, uh, last night uh, in Tampa, Baker uh, Mayfield captained uh, the Buccaneers uh, to a dominant 32-9 upset win over the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles in their wildcard round game at Raymond James Stadium. Mayfield completing uh, 22 of 36 passes for 337 yards and three touchdowns to three uh, separate receivers in a game that Tampa Bay never trailed in. And this win sets up a confrontation with the Detroit Lions in the NFC Divisional Round, also coming up next Sunday, Glenn. So uh, lots of uh, action yesterday uh, in the playoffs. Oh, it certainly was. And that game in Buffalo got postponed today because of the giant blizzard, a couple of feet or, or more of snow in uh, the southern Buffalo Metro or Orchard Park where the Bills play located. They had the field ready to go, but uh, uh, I understand if you had a ticket it was, you know, basically general admission. Go find a pile of snow to stand in, and it's yours. And, uh, and you know, not long before the game started, it looked like it was mostly mostly snow and not that many people in the stands, but uh, they figured out a way to get in there. And the, uh, I don't know if there were as much snowball fights as just throwing snow in the air. It looked almost like white fireworks every time that uh, the Bills scored, and there were there were plenty of those. Uh, that, uh, that second touchdown you played the clip from was... Uh, uh, a work of art and uh, running and getting yards after the catch there. Uh, and uh, and then in the second game, the one last night, uh, it could have been further apart than that. The, the, the Eagles oh, dropping, what, six of their last seven games, uh, including the regular season, uh, having a tough time tackling anything. And uh, if a few dropped passes on behalf of the Buccaneers hadn't happened, the score might have been higher yet. Yeah, it was very surprising the the way that the Eagles uh, played so poorly uh, down the stretch. They looked uh, so dominant. They looked like a Super Bowl team early uh, in the season. But again, the old adage is not where you start, it's where you finish. And uh, uh, they just didn't have it yesterday uh, against the, the Buccaneers. Well, on to next weekend. Couple games Saturday, couple games Sunday, and uh, getting one step closer to the the Super Bowl coming up on the 11th of February. Stay tuned. All right, thanks, Glenn and Sarah. First things first. Uh, as always, uh, we begin every morning always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. We always pray through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God, as we uh, continue to pray for uh, peace in our world, especially in the Middle East and uh, with Ukraine, and peace in our nation, peace in our church and in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. On Tuesdays, I always take a a moment to to remind you that uh, we should pray to our guardian angel. Even though you can't see these heavenly companions, they are absolutely uh, with us. And so we should ask our guardian angel for help in our everyday lives. 
As we do every morning, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Matthew 5.16. Jesus the Lord says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And this is exactly what we try to do every day here on Morning Air and Relevant Radio. As Catholics, we need to shine the light of Christ wherever we go every day and be a light that shines in the darkness. We must walk in the light. And keep in mind that our Lord Jesus Christ is the true light of the world. And we always pray with great confidence that powerful prayer from the chaplet, Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a short break. When we come back on the other side, our tech expert, Mark Mastriani, uh, will join us uh, to uh, talk about last week's uh, Consumer Electronics Show, uh, billed as the world's largest annual consumer technology trade fair. So he'll tell us all about the the latest uh, gadgets. Stay with us as uh, this Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app rolls on. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Uh, You can always uh, find us on social media. Our handle on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. And you can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. And now it is time for another edition of Tech Tuesday. Ready to assist you. Okay. Okay. The world's largest annual consumer technology trade fair, the Consumer Electronics Show, took place last week, and it did not disappoint. Uh, There was a whole lot of of AI, artificial intelligence, uh, along with uh, laptops and TVs and medical devices and many other uh, wearables. Uh, Joining us live is our tech expert and longtime Morning Air contributor, Mark Mastriani, with much more on the Consumer Electronics Show. Mark is a passionate Catholic dad, a husband with uh, 20 plus years of new uh, technology, a uh, product uh, development experience uh, for all things uh, faith and tech. You can follow Mark on X, formerly Twitter, at God Loves Tech. Good morning, Mark. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again for another uh, Tech Tuesday. I believe this is uh, the first time we get together here in the uh, early part of the new year. Yes, I hope 2024 is treating you very well, John. Thank you so much. So far, so good, counting the blessings as always. Mark, uh, what were your expectations uh, going in, and what was your take on this recent uh, 2024 Consumer Electronics Show? Yeah, there are so many takeaways here, not only the stuff that was there, but you know the, the conference itself. So this is, let's take a step back. The Consumer Electronics Show was born in in New York City, actually, in 1967, with 17,000 attendees. I attended, uh, this is my fourth consumer electronics show. I attended in 2002, 2003, 2019, and then this year, 2024. 
and so much has changed. It is, I'll try to paint you a picture for the audience and for you, John. Imagine six football fields of exhibitors. Wow. So that's hard to imagine. We had over 130,000 attendees, over 4,000 exhibitors. Okay. So each of these six football fields has a different focus or strength to it. What Consumer Electronics Show is most known for going all the way back to the 1960s and 70s is TVs, right? That's, that was interesting for me. It wasn't my focus, but the big takeaway in TVs came from uh, the big eye-popping news, news maker was Samsung over the last couple of years has been producing a line of TVs that they called the Frames. The frames are beautiful, well-framed, flat-screen TVs that when you're not watching TV can display beautiful pieces of art. So they'll, they'll hang on your wall, and you can have almost like the old-school screensavers from the early 2000s scrolling through gorgeous pieces of vivid artwork on these screens And when you want to watch TV, you hit the remote and it turns into a fully functioning flat screen TV. Well, this year, Samsung took that same line of TVs and now it's translucent (laughs) when it's turned off. Now, I can't really imagine uh, an ideal application for this. Let's say like what's on your wall is already a beautiful piece of artwork and you want to put the frame over top of that and then watch TV instead of uh, holding the particular place on the wall for that piece of artwork. That's the only application I can think of at the moment. But uh, taking a step back, you know, what, what a, a beautiful piece of electronics they've created. Uh, also, you mentioned AI. That's one of the biggest takeaways that I have also Uh, Let's take a rewind back to 2019. Not only was it pre-pandemic, and this show was as big, if not, uh, they're still tallying the numbers. This may be the record attendance for exhibitors and uh, for attendees at a consumer electronics show this year, 2024. But five years ago when I attended, the key buzzword was smart. You had smart coffee makers to tell you when they were empty You had a smart toothbrush to tell you you weren't brushing long enough or hard enough. You had a smart cat litter box, right, that tells you when it's full. Uh, That was five years ago, okay? Now it's AI. So there's in AI how that makes these products more interesting is that it anticipates. It's not like generative AI. In most of these products, I've, we've covered this a little bit in Tech Tuesdays of the past, and we can certainly cover it again, John, in Tech Tuesdays going forward into 2024. AI is definitely in our uh, social vocabulary and in mainstream media these days quite a bit. However, uh, what I would say, the use of AI can be most uh, directly seen in things like laptop computers. So the most recent generation 
of laptop computers on display at the Consumer Electronics Show this year had essentially the same engine inside of it as uh, being used by Amazon, Google, Microsoft, OpenAI. Imagine having a supercomputer in your laptop. Uh, it's, it was primarily one of the first applications for these huge, powerful, uh, sometimes loud because they need uh, a fan to cool them because they run so hot. Uh, the first application of these AI supercomputers is actually in the gaming space. It's in the gaming space. So uh, what you need that extra horsepower to do is to run these high graphics games. But those big, powerful laptops are coming our way to the mainstream for you and I, John. We can use these laptops. Uh, it's interesting because also in the pandemic, we bought things to make our home offices more productive, right? Most people used stimulus money or uh, incentives from their own companies to uh, have powerful laptops in their homes. Well, th well, that's about three years now, three and a half to four and a half years old. And some of our laptops are getting a little dated and a little stale. Uh, their batteries might not be recharging as well as they used to. So these laptops may actually be a great big hit as we look into summer for back to school students going to college and also next Christmas. <laughs> I know it's January, but we're already talking about Christmas 2024 when it comes to electronics. The last thing I wanted to Mark, let me before is, you move on, yeah. just a, a couple quick follow ups. Yeah. Um, Please. What do you see as the, realistically speaking, the market for some of, of these devices uh, like this translucent uh, uh, a TV, as an example? Uh, uh, do, do, you, do you see people, uh, you know, in a big hurry to go out and buy these? And and also, you know, what, what is from a Catholic perspective, what what is these uh, the, these new uh, devices? Uh, you know, what do they mean for us? Great question. So let's take it those two pieces separately. The first thing I wanted to point to is a, my favorite business author uh, to describe products that come into the world and how they get adopted by the world is Jeffrey Moore. And the author Jeffrey Moore wrote a book called Crossing the Chasm. And it talks about the chasm between early adopters. Less than 10% of us consider ourselves early adopters of new technology and new technology products. The mainstream is over 35, 40% of us. And we usually wait until something is mature or necessary before we buy it. I would say for us, we're mostly in the mainstream here in the uh, morning air audience, Tech Tuesday. Uh, for those of us who are creators out there, if you are a video production person, if you are an illustrator, an artist, a sculptor, uh, a digital artist, these become much more uh, valuable and useful today, right? So it is not for the masses, it's for the early adopters. And for us Catholic, looking through the Catholic lens, uh, let's use that favorite <laughs> virtue that we talk about on Tech Tuesday. Let's use prudence and let's talk about uh, should we use it? And I would say yes, uh, in society, if we are given God-given talents of artistic creation, 
uh, video, uh, animation. We should be engaging these brand new tools uh, with, you know, I see these as uh, the latest generation of the hammer. It's, it's a great new set of tools. Uh, these tools are neither good nor bad. And uh, that's what is so exciting about this last chunk of the Consumer Electronics Show when we get into medical devices and wearable technologies. This is really where the blend of advanced technology and our Catholic faith come into more clear focus. There's so many amazing technologies available for us to use and wear. The most obvious ones are over-the-counter hearing aids. So I'm 49. I'm getting up there in age. I did went to a lot of rock shows there in Chicago, John. I am showing that wear and tear on my body and my hearing. There are uh, devices that really look like uh, either consumer headphones or consumer earphones that have hearing aid features built into them with AI. <laughs> and the AI can detect uh, the scene that we're in. AI inside of a hearing aid can detect that we're at church and change to a, a church-appropriate uh, algorithm. And then when we're back at home watching TV, switch back to a home-based algorithm. Uh, these medical devices also include pain relief technology using light or sound technology to detect heart arrhythmias or lung function abnormalities. I'm just very inspired, and we have so much to cover in future Tech Tuesdays when it comes to uh, electronics, uh, medical devices, and wearables for our benefit and for our health. And we're just about out of time. The next time around, we're going to have to talk about uh, the um, Volkswagen using the chat GPT AI. Reminds me of the old uh, Knight Rider program with the talking <laughs> car. So that's You're a whole right other topic. We did it. Yes. 40 years later, we, we've generated Knight Rider. Exactly. <laughs> All right. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Mark. Really appreciate uh, your perspective and your insights on uh, this latest uh, consumer electronic show. Uh, thanks again. God bless you and your families. Thank you, John. Mark Mastriani, our tech expert for all things faith and tech. You can follow Mark on X, formerly Twitter, at God Loves Tech. We need to take a short pause uh, when Morning Air continues. Brian Burst, uh, the president and founder of CatholicVote.org, will be with us to talk about the results of last night's Iowa caucuses, the start of the presidential primary process. So stay with us. Uh, there is much more to come on this uh, Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverett on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and producer Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us. 
on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can always uh, send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And you can find us on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. And our toll-free line, if you want to be a part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Now, it seems that every four years we talk about how this coming presidential election is going to be the most important election in U.S. history. But here in 2024, this really might be the most important one of them all. Last night, tens of thousands of Iowans braved the bone-chilling, brutally cold temperatures and the snow uh, to make the first major decision of the 2024 Republican presidential primary race. With a commanding lead going in, former President Donald Trump won the Iowa caucuses in a decisive victory uh, with 51% of the vote, uh, with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, with 21%, and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley at 19%. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy Swami uh, finished a distant fourth with nearly 8% of the vote. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world. People want to have hope for this country's future. And that's what we represent. We represent a chance to reverse the madness that we've seen in this country. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. But tonight, I can safely say, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. And so uh, what does the Iowa caucus uh, results mean for Americans and for everyday Catholics moving forward? Joining us live this morning is Brian Birch, the president and founder of Catholic Vote, for much more on the Iowa caucuses. And uh, we'll talk about who Catholics should support going forward. Good morning, Brian. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again, especially here on the day after the big caucus yesterday. Well, good morning and great to be with you. And here we go again. Here we go indeed. What is your take on former President Trump's resounding victory last night? Well, those of us uh, that follow politics and certainly have been following this Republican primary, we're not surprised by last night's results. You know, as you reported, uh, Trump won a resounding victory, a 30-point margin over Ron DeSantis. I think there was a couple things people were watching last night. Number one, uh, would he pass the 50% threshold and effectively overperform the polling? He was about at 48% or so in the polling going in. He did that. Uh, Then there was the big question of who would finish in second place and whether uh, Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley uh, could get anywhere close to him and and do what Nikki Haley suggested is to turn this into a two-person race. That did not happen. Um, In fact, Trump not only uh, won decisively, he knocked Vivek Ramaswamy out of the race, uh, who announced last night that he is suspending his campaign and will now support Donald Trump. Um, the presumption being that a good chunk of his voters are Trump voters, and that likely increases Trump's hold. So now we head to New Hampshire, where Trump may not perform as well, uh, but then on to South Carolina and several other 
what are called winner-take-all primaries, um, unlike the Iowa caucus. And it looks to me like this is Donald Trump's um, uh, nomination to be uh, uh, to be had. It, it, it looks as if, to me, um, we're just going to go through the motions um, going forward. Brian, it looks like the, the polls were uh, pretty uh, spot on going into this caucus uh, last night. Uh, it really turned out to be a, a battle for the so-called uh, silver medal for, for second place, uh, which I, what I'd like to get is your, your thoughts on the importance of, of, of second place in this primary process, especially when you consider uh, what could happen if, uh, if Trump were to get knocked out of the equation because of all of, of those legal battles and the many court cases that they've thrown at them? Well, it's a great question because unlike previous presidential cycles, um, a margin like this, which I believe was a record margin, would likely knock at least one, if not both, of the rest of the candidates out of the race. That's not going to happen immediately here, in part because um, donors are likely going to stick around with the second or third place candidates. Uh, Under the the proposition that Trump could get knocked out of the race by a judge uh, because of the number of legal fights that he's in. Um, of course, the the answer to that is uh, voters are very aware of these cases, and uh, they have not had any impact on voter sentiment whatsoever. In fact, in some of the cases, when the judges or prosecutors have announced charges, uh, Trump's support has increased. And I think part of the reason for that is not just kind of blind obedience, but because some of these legal efforts are really a stretch. Um, they're misuse of authority or applications of the law that that a lot of people um, deem suspect. They look like they are let's get Trump type of efforts. I'm not, not to say that all of them are that case or that the law should not uh, be respected. I think we go through a legal process like every American, and Trump deserves the presumption of innocence, and he needs to prove that Uh, The state needs to prove that he is indeed guilty. Um, That said, um, I don't think these court cases are necessarily going to have the desired effect that a lot of his opponents believe they will. I want to open up our phone lines and invite our listeners, uh, if you want to uh, share your thoughts on what you think the results of last night's Iowa caucuses uh, mean for the primary process going forward, uh, and uh, perhaps maybe uh, some of the issues that are important uh, to you uh, and to other voters. We're taking your calls for Brian Burst, the president and founder of Catholic Vote at 888 888-914-9149. There was a lot of talk about uh, some of the key issues uh, for the people of Iowa that was most important to them, uh, immigration, the economy, and and down the road, uh, uh, foreign policy, uh, much less than the first two. Your thoughts on on some of those top issues uh, that uh, affected uh, this uh, caucus last night and uh, are obviously still in play for the rest of the country? You're right. I think this was um, an important insight last night because the data did show that the number one issue for Iowans, and of course these are Iowa Republicans, uh, was indeed immigration. And that doesn't surprise me given uh, the fact that it is uh, in the news and and truly is one of the biggest challenges that the country is facing right now and one of the ways in which this president has absolutely uh, bungled and and failed in his uh, uh, role as the president of the United States. We have millions and millions of people coming across the border in a disorderly, reckless way, obviously in violation of our law, exploiting the loopholes that allow them to claim asylum. 
when their cases are finally heard, uh, nearly 90% of them are deemed non-asylum cases. Um, there is a you know, concern in many of the cities, uh, many big cities, including cities run by Democrats, that this is going to overwhelm their social services, uh, their, their state budgets, their city budgets. Um, and so, you know, we are called as Catholics to welcome the stranger, but we're not called to do so in a disorderly, reckless way. And, and, and the way that this is happening is uh, not helpful um, and is exploitative of both the migrant and of, of the country uh, of Americans here, uh, many of whom came here legally, have obeyed our laws and certainly don't want to see our border um, effectively gone uh, because there's many other obviously concerns that arise, um, including national security concerns. What do you think are some of the issues that are particularly important uh, to uh, Catholics in our country that Catholics need to really be looking at? You know, I think at the heart of all of these political questions is the question of the family. And the family obviously implicates a number of issues, including first and foremost and preeminently the, the sanctity of life, that every child has uh, um, in, uh, infinite dignity and worth and uh, deserves uh, the right to life. And we certainly are called by our own church to place that front and center. But of course, beyond that, the, 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 the question of, of marriage and gender and parental rights and education and respect for parental rights. Uh, you know, many of these abortion-related ballot initiatives are um, set up to gut the role of the family and to gut and eliminate the authority of parents over their children. And I think this is core to our understanding of not only politics, but how we are called to pass on the faith. Um, we don't do this through some sort of kind of government scheme. Uh, we do it through nature and the created order of which we are a part. And that is primarily through the fundamental social unit of the family, male and female, mother and father, both, both caring, nurturing, bringing children into this world, and then imparting to them, giving to them the great gift of our faith. That is the way God designed it and intended it. And we have a right by nature, not just because government allows us to have it, but a right by nature uh, to exercise that authority. And I think those, the efforts on the left and on the progressive movement in this country are really at root designed to undermine and eliminate the role of the family. What are your thoughts on how important uh, the abortion issue is going to be uh, in, the, in these upcoming uh, primaries uh, next week in, in, in New Hampshire and, and going forward? Well, it is uh, going to be a big, big issue in part because Democrats are going to make it a big issue because they believe they have um, some leverage given the court's decision in Dobbs. You know, let's not forget we won a major decision in overturning Roe v. Wade, nearly 50 years of fighting to achieve that victory. But, of course, that's not the end. And now we're in a state-by-state -state battle, and there may be as many as 10 or 11 ballot initiatives where pro-abortion groups are going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to try to implement and, and reestablish the right to abortion in these states. And they're going to use that, of course, as well to turn out uh, their base or turn out uh, especially women and young voters that they believe are motivated by this. And I think our call is to answer that. Um, we obviously know, with, given some recent elections, that it's an uphill battle, and we're going to have some challenges here, but we're going to have to counter with the truth, and we're going to have to counter with enthusiasm and vigor 
uh, with our base, uh, with pro-life voters, with families, with voters that aren't uh, uh, low, low propensity voters, people that don't vote in every election. We're going to need every voter possible to counter this. And, and I think that is possible. And I, uh, it's, there's going to be some states that are not going to go the way we want. Uh, but I, I'm confident that we can blunt the impact of this and, um, and, and continue to champion, not just for political purposes, but this, this core belief we have in, in the beauty and goodness of every human life. Brian, can you talk about the importance of uh, the Catholic vote? Uh, we have, you know, 60 to 70 million uh, Catholics in this country of a variety, uh, many different varieties and, and different levels uh, of faith. And there are some uh, political uh, analysts out there who actually uh, argue that uh, perhaps uh, the whole idea of the Catholic vote is actually a myth. Yes, of course. I've seen that. I've seen it for years. I will say this. The idea of the Catholic vote generally, meaning a self-identified person who calls themselves Catholic, is in effect meaningless politically. What matters is when you begin to um, qualify that, that, those Catholics and specifically qualify them by Catholics who still engage with their faith, um, uh, particularly by attending church with some regularity. And in that segment of voters, and we're talking now probably 10 to 20 million voters rather than 60 or 70 million Americans, uh, there is a significant shift occurring, and there, it's a shift that's been happening over the last four decades, and that is away from the Democratic Party because of their extremism and toward pro-life candidates, which generally ha- are inside the Republican Party. And um, the key here is for those mass attending Catholics to turn out in record numbers. You know, we estimate that 20 to 25 percent of mass attending Catholics do not vote regularly or are not registered to vote. And that's a big number and a particularly big number in some of these states like Wisconsin or Arizona or Florida uh, or um, uh, North Carolina, even in Georgia, southern states with not large Catholic populations, but states that are expected to go down to the wire. Um, you know, where uh, five to 10,000 votes are likely to decide the outcome of the election. And there are plenty of Catholic voters in those states that need to be educated, encouraged, mobilized, uh, and voting. Uh, And if they do, Catholics alone can decide the outcome of this election. And I'm sure on the minds of uh, practicing Catholics across our country is who should they support? (laughs) Always the difficult question because politics is not... Um, you know, a perfect uh, exercise of moral theology. Uh, it involves prudence and it involves imperfect people, uh, like all the people that ran in the Iowa caucus last night. None of them are perfect. None of them are saints and none of them uh, check every box for Catholics. Uh, what we're called to do is to uh, uh, take church teaching and apply it as faithfully as possible. And the church gives us guidance in how to do that. And you start with the core fundamental questions that involve core teachings that involve intrinsic evils like the right to life, like the, uh, the uh, institution of the family, uh, like uh, parents' authority over their children when it comes to their schools, when it comes uh, to their bodies, to their health care. Uh, the church says these issues are prior- ought to be priorities. And so you can start there. Of course, then you have to look at questions like the economy and questions about immigration uh, and other questions where Catholics in good conscience can disagree over these. And if those candidates you believe are uh, serious about these questions, 
um, of imprudence, and they are committed to the core uh, moral truths of the family and of life and of education and of religious freedom, uh, then I believe Catholics can and should and have a duty to publicly support them and to encourage other people to do as well. Well, we have about 30 seconds. Real quick, uh, your thoughts uh, on uh, who of the Republican candidates can defeat President Joe Biden, whose support is now at 33 percent, according to a new uh, ABC poll. You're right. Joe Biden has hit all time lows. In my opinion, any of these candidates could defeat Joe Biden. Obviously, each of them have their own positives and cases for and against at this point. It looks as if Donald Trump is likely to be the Republican nominee, and I think you're going to start to hear a lot more conversation around how Catholics can and should start to take his candidacy seriously. Brian, uh, really appreciate you being with us this morning. Uh, Thanks so much. For much more, you can visit catholicvote.org. Brian Birch, the president and founder of Catholic Vote, and now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Integrity by Joe Weitz. My oldest brother, Rob, at six foot three and 210 pounds of solid muscle, is a man's man to the core of his heart. He's a successful dentist, an avid bird dog trainer, and a skilled outdoorsman. He's always been one of my heroes. 30 years ago, Bob married the first girl he ever loved. He said yes to the preacher on that wedding date and gave his word that he would give Mary Evelyn his life no matter what. Two summers ago, Mary Evelyn's kidneys quit. Her blood poisoned her, according to the charts, to the point of death. She needed a donor kidney immediately to stay alive. No kidney that matched her biological chemistry was available. Immediately, Brother Bob volunteered his. He was tested for compatibility, and amazingly enough, he matched perfectly. In a love story of love stories surgical procedure, the doctors opened Bob up from his belly button to his backbone, took three ribs in the kidney, placed the kidney into his bride's abdomen, and hooked up the tubes and vessels. The next day... She was alive and well. She feels like a million bucks. Now, he feels pain every day, but just smiles and shrugs it off as a small expression of his love for his wife of a lifetime. Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Presidential politics, TV dramas, talk shows, a lot of our daily conversation make you wonder if there's any truth left in the world. Brother Bob showed me that a man keeps his word. Matthew 5:37 says, simply, Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Great reminder. Thanks so much, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com, will be with us to talk about love solutions to love more in 24. Plus, our resident apologist, William Albrecht, will talk about the biblical basis of the beautiful teaching, Mary, Mother of the Church and Mother of the Faithful. So stay with us. We are just warming up. There's much more to come on this Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.